Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who just five years into my legal career found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. So that I didn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided it was time to redefine success from the inside out. Fast forward a few years and it worked. I had a thriving legal career balanced with a fulfilling life. What I learned is that you can achieve the success you want without sacrificing yourself in the process. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. You're a private practice attorney who wants more clients and better work. And you'd like to increase revenues plus income. Where should you be spending most of your business development time? Maybe you're not yet at a level where you can grow your own book, but you know one day you're going to need to. What could you be doing now to help you out in the future? No matter whether you are a second-year attorney trying to figure out how to practice, an eight-year senior attorney hoping to be promoted to partnership soon, a young partner trying to build your own book of business, or a 20-year seasoned attorney wanting to grow your book to a new level, the answer is the same. The number one thing you need to be doing is networking. Now, I know what you're thinking. Heather, I barely have enough time for myself and my family already. There is no way I have time to network. Heather, I'm introverted and not very good at networking as a result. I don't think it's going to be the answer for me. Heather, I've done a ton of networking at conferences and professional events over the years. It hasn't really led to a lot of business, so it's not worth the investment of time, money, and energy. Look, I hear ya. I've heard every one of these excuses, and more, to be quite honest. And yes, I am saying it, they are actual excuses. Because here's the thing, y'all. Networking is the best way to grow your business and create trust with the right people, i.e. people who will hire you. And it is the best way to really grow an exceptional network that can support your professional development for the long term. But, and this is a big one, so listen up, only if done right. Which is exactly what we're getting into today. Today, we are covering why you need to be networking, no matter how long you've been practicing, my top three networking tips to make it less time-consuming and more effective, and the secret to improving your networking ROI that very few lawyers do very well, or even at all, if you want my honest opinion, that will make all the difference. This is what rainmakers know and do well. And no, it's not about cold calling people or walking up to somebody you've never met before and need to immediately sell to them. That's not what it is. So that is exactly what we are getting into today. Hey there, everybody. This is Heather Mulder, host of the Life in Law podcast. And today's topic is super important. And here's why. Networking is really about making genuine, authentic connections with people. That's it. Now, it's important to understand a couple of things when it comes to making genuine connections that are authentic. And what I mean by that is connections with people who will get you, who will like you, who will learn to trust you. 
Know, like, and trust is incredibly important when it comes to selling anything, whether it's selling your services or even selling an idea if you are in-house. So the point of making these connections is to create know, like, and trust. People buy, people purchase from those that they know, those that they like, and those that they trust. Frankly, you need a better network of people that are willing, that really like you, even if they can't send you business, that will help prop you up, that will help think of you for referrals, for making introductions, for helping with professional development. So perhaps you want to start speaking more often and there's somebody you know that you've worked hard to connect with over the years and have an, again, genuine, authentic relationship with. You know they have some connections to a particular conference, to people who run that conference that you really want to get in front of and they can get you in front of them and give their own recommendation for why you need to be the one that's chosen for the event. So there's lots of ways to look at this. It's not just about selling and marketing, although that is a big piece to the puzzle for every single private practice attorney out there. So the purpose of networking, hopefully you get the gist of this, is not actually about selling. It's much deeper than that. Yes, I will admit sometimes networking leads to a sale, but that usually comes with the right people at the right time over a period of time, right? And I find that a lot of attorneys really have problems going into networking events. Their biggest problem with is really starts with the mindset that they have, that they take on, how they think about networking in the first place. They think that they have to go in and sell themselves in some way, shape, or form, but that's not really what I want you to be doing when you go to a network event. I don't want you to have that mindset at all. It takes away from making deeper connections, and it frankly puts too much pressure on you that you really don't even need. Okay, so I want you to shift how you think about networking in the first place. It's a way to get to know people and see who is a good fit for your personality and for what you do. That's it. And when you go in with that mentality, I want you to be really curious. Curiosity is key here. Like, who can I meet that seems interesting to me that I'm a good fit with from a personality standpoint? That's number one. Look. You do not want to force relationships. There are a lot of people out there. There is no reason to continue a relationship with somebody who's really not a good personality fit for you. This will make your practice a lot more enjoyable, by the way, because you're not going to be trying to force relationships with people who just aren't a good fit. So that is number one. You want a good fit for your own personality, somebody you feel like you have some type, something in common with. There are so many people out there. You do not need to attract every potential person that could be a good client fit or a good referral fit or a good fit for, you know, a network because they know people. There's a lot of those people out there for you. Find the right ones, the right fit for your own personality. So when you go into a networking event, really think about, hey, I'm really excited that there's bound to be at least one or two people here that fit my personality. It's a big enough event. Let's go find them. It's just a very different curious mindset that will help take the pressure off of you having to sell yourself. The second fit that I noticed that's really important is you want a good fit for what you do. Now, 
caveat. This is not narrowing it down only to those people who could send work to you, okay? So a good fit for what you do could be a good fit when it comes to the people that they know. Maybe they could send some referrals or make some introductions, right? So it doesn't have to be somebody who's going to immediately send you business. Maybe it's a good fit because of where they're going, what their interests are. And they might be not be a good fit immediately, but you think they could be a fit for future business. Maybe it's a good fit for some other reason, like the example that I mentioned earlier. It's somebody who knows people that could get you in front of a conference you want to get into, right? There's a lot of ways to look at this. So be broad about that, yet not too broad <laughs> because you can only know so many people. You can only keep up with so many people. So you do have to, over time, be, re, kind of reconsider whether they're a fit. Somebody you thought was a fit originally may not be once you get to know them better. Or maybe somebody is no longer a fit because of where they're going and where you're going with your practice, okay? So it is something you want to revisit a lot. Okay, when you go into a networking event, be curious, change your mentality so that you are not going in thinking, oh, I have to sell myself or I have to market myself. But instead, you're just going to be you. And the goal is to find interesting people that are a good fit, personality-wise and relevancy-wise for, you know, why you're networking in the first place, for building your business, for making the right type of connections, for whatever reason you are there to network. Because here's the deal, y'all. We get opportunities, whether it be client opportunities, new work, whether it be opportunities for new positions, we get them most often, at least the best ones, from our network. Networking is really just about building a good, strong support network for you. Support network from a, the perspective of building your business to support your business, but also a professional network of your own to support you, to support your professional and personal growth. So don't go into these events just thinking you're supposed to be on and sell. It just places too much pressure, as I said earlier, and I want to take that pressure off of you. Okay, so that's the why, why everybody really does need to network. I want to get into my top tips to make networking much easier and actually enjoyable. Because what is the point of going to meet new people if you're not going to enjoy yourself? And I will tell you, it gets hard to be curious. It gets hard to take the pressure off if you're not enjoying yourself. So you want to find ways to make it enjoyable. And here are my top three tips. So tip number one, go in with a plan. Okay. What I mean by this is you need a goal and a strategy around that goal. So every single networking event that you attend should have a very specific goal or several. It depends on what level you're at, what event you're attending, who will be there, why you're attending. But there's got to be a purpose for your attendance. So what is your goal? What do you want to accomplish out of that specific event? And then the strategy is how will you accomplish that goal, right? So your goal plus strategy for achieving the goal is your plan. Now, again, depending on your level of experience, 
depending on the event itself, depending on the type of people who will be there, your goal is going to vary and your plan around that goal will vary. So let me give you a couple of examples of real life goals and strategies from clients. You're a third year associate going to your first industry conference. You know several people who will actually be there based on people you've now worked with. You go in wanting to deepen those relationships and also to try to get to know at least three new people within your industry that would just be good connections to have. You're not quite sure, you know, how many people will be there, but you figure enough people will be there to get to know three new people. And a good connection for you is somebody who's at or just barely above your level. So not somebody so senior that it's not going to matter, right? So you're, you're looking for peers in the industry who are good connections for you to have for the long term. So that's your goal. Number one, you have two really, to deepen the relationships you have and then also to meet three new people who would be good connections for you. Now, there are a lot of strategies you could utilize. So this person utilized a couple. Number one, they reached out to the people that they knew ahead of time and scheduled breakfasts with them. You could do a breakfast, you could do a lunch, you could do a dinner, you could do drinks, you could just schedule a time for coffee. It really doesn't matter. Schedule something. And then at the meeting, this was the second part of their strategy, they asked, hey, who do you know that you think I should know? Who should I get to know here? There's lots of people. Who do you know? And those people introduced them to other people. And of course, they came away with more than three people that they met. Uh, They met a lot, actually, and they probably had five or six that they counted as really good connections. So that's one example. Let's go through another one. Your young partner going to a conference where you're going to be speaking on a panel. You know many of the people who will be there and want to ensure they come hear you speak. And you want them to bring people as well with them that you should get in front of. So Kind of similar to the third-year associate goal where you want to strengthen relationships with certain current contacts who are going to be at the conference, but you have more people there, right? And you can't schedule individual lunches with every single person or individual meetings, coffees, whatever. So you're going to ensure you invite all of these people, let them know where you're speaking, invite them to come attend, and then also ask them to bring somebody who they think would benefit from the discussion at hand. Now, what that gives you also is they're more likely after the fact to come find you and then introduce you to those people. And these people are, you know, assumingly relevant, at least from the perspective of what you do. Next example. Let's say you're a more senior attorney. You've been practicing for a while. You have a pretty good book of business. You are going to attend a local event and you see the list of people who are coming and you notice that somebody that you used to represent that you no longer represent because you represented them at a prior firm and they were actually somebody else's main client, but you did a lot of their work for them, is going to be at this event. And it's somebody you haven't talked to in a couple of years. And you would like to reconnect and start taking that relationship further to maybe one day get that business over. So your goal is to talk to that specific person and then get a next event on the schedule. So a lunch, a breakfast, a happy hour, something to catch up more. Because when you're at an actual networking event, you're not going to be able to spend all your time catching up. You're going to get maybe 5, 10, 
12, 15 minutes at most, probably not that much, hopefully not that much because that's not really the goal, uh, in front of them to briefly catch up, find out what they're doing, and then maybe get something on the calendar where the two of you can actually sit down and really truly catch up, right? So that can be your goal and your strategy. These are just examples, but I'm pretty sure of these examples will get your juices flowing and help you figure out, okay, the next event that I'm going to, what's my goal going to be? And what strategy will I utilize in order to achieve that goal? Now, I do know you're probably thinking, Heather, this sounds great and all, but goodness gracious, it sounds time consuming. I have to actually you know, look at lists and see who's going to be there. And I have to think through a goal and then I have to think through a strategy. Well, it's really not that time consuming. Okay. I do get the inherent kind of reaction we all have. Our time is valuable. Your time is valuable. And you do only have so much time. There's sometimes you're probably rushing to these events in the midst of an emergency that you're doing for a client. And I get it. But I'm going to tell you what Every single one of my clients would tell you because they say the same thing. They think the same thing when they first come to me and when we first start implementing these types of strategies for them. Here's what they learn. A little bit of upfront planning makes their time spent so much more worthwhile. Maybe it seems counterintuitive because you have so little time to begin with, but it is going to save you time. You're going to quickly find out that Having that goal, having that strategy means you're going to come away from these events with better connections that lead to actual work. Now, I can't promise how quickly, but they do. That's what this is for. I would posit to you that if you typically end up rushing from work to the event without having given it five or 10 minutes of thought, what's your goal? What's your strategy around that goal? And a little bit of research maybe on who's going to be there. And then maybe you shouldn't be going at all because you're probably not utilizing it very well. Now, that's not true for everyone. Some of us are much better on our feet. Some of us kind of go in thinking quickly of, okay, here's what I'm going to get out of it. But And that's fine upon occasion. But be sure you at least take the time, even if it's just five minutes when you're in the car, to think about, okay, what do I want to get out of this and ensure you get that, okay? Because otherwise, you're just kind of like moving around, talking to people, collecting cards, maybe, maybe not, that you then end up in a drawer, (laughs) sticking in a drawer and forgetting about them. And when you go in with a goal and a strategy around that goal, not only are you going to get to know the right people, not only are you going to achieve the things you want, but you're going to walk away with better contacts and connections that you're going to want to continue the conversation with. Oftentimes, we end up with all these cards of people that we don't know what to do with, and they end up in that drawer because they're not the best connections. So this is a way to be much more purposeful about it. Make the time you spend there worthwhile. Okay, so that was tip number one. Go in with a goal and a strategy around how to achieve that goal. Go in with a plan. Tip number two, have questions ready. You want to follow the 80-20 rule. So the 80-20 rule is used in a lot of different ways. But when it comes to networking, you want to do 20% of the talking. You want the people you're talking to and meeting and connecting with to do 80% of the talking. And the way you do that is you ask good questions. 
And in order to ask good questions, you want to have some of those questions ready to go. Okay, so this again requires a little bit of preparation. But once you prepare these and think through these, it's mostly a one and done with just a couple of minutes when you go in with your goal, right? Where you come up with, okay, are there any additional questions that I would like to ask given the circumstances, given the event, given what's going on in the world, in my industry, that kind of a thing. So what kind of questions do you ask? Well, you want some go-to kind of personal get-to-know-you type questions that occasionally you want to pick from to just get the ice broken. If you haven't been introduced and you're just like, you know, when you walk up and somebody just says hi and, and you start talking to them, you need something to break the ice. So you want that. But you don't want the typical, hey, what do you do? Or, you know, I mean, granted, you can ask that, but you need to quickly get into something else. Oftentimes, you're like, oh, what do we do? Or we talk about the weather or the food that's being served, and then we don't know what else to say, and it gets super awkward. No. Have some go-to questions that are really aimed to getting to know the person a little bit better. You know, what they do, what's interesting about their work, what's challenging challenging them the most, have they had any deals lately that have been interesting to them or frustrating even. So you can have some go-to questions kind of ready for the general audience that you're going to be in front of at it any given network event. And also, by the way, this means you need to pick your networking events wisely. Be sure you're picking the right ones to go to. If you are going somewhere where there are relevant people for what your goals are for networking, right? So if you are a private practice attorney and you are going to networking events to meet people in your industry that could potentially send you work or referrals or make introductions, you need to know that you're going to the right places where the right people are. And that's going to narrow down the kind of questions you can ask, okay? And it's going to make it more obvious. The other thing I would say is have some hot topic questions ready. If there's anything that's going on within your industry or if it's a big deal or item for the here and now. And so that's when I say when you do your original prep work around your goal and your strategy for your goal, think through, hey, is there anything going on right now that I'd want to raise with a particular type of person should I meet them. That will not take you more than a couple of minutes to think through, okay? So the point of these questions is to get to know more about them and their role and what they're working on that you could potentially help them with, and also just to understand them more, to get to know them better, to see if they are a fit for you, remember, personality-wise, and also from a relevancy perspective as far as the industry that they're in. So design your questions accordingly. Now, please note that, again, this might take a little bit of upfront work the first time and the first couple that you go to. But as you go to these events with goals and strategies, and you've as you've thought through these questions and you start to utilize them, you're going to get a lot better at it. And they're going to come to you more easily, okay, without a lot of prep or having to think about them. You might be thinking, okay, this is interesting and all, and I can see how it takes the pressure off, which is one goal for this, right? For all you introverts out there, this really helps take the pressure off. If you have a couple of go-to questions that you can start with, you're not selling you. They get to talk about them. And the magic really happens. Here's what you do, okay? You listen. And as you listen to them, you get to be a coach like me. You get to listen intently See what they're excited about. See where their interests lie. And get curious about that and just ask more questions. Let them do 
90% of the talking. It takes the pressure off and it makes networking more enjoyable and much, much easier. The other thing that this does for you, and this is a big benefit, people like to talk about the things that challenge and interest them. People like to be heard and they really like to talk and be heard like really, really heard, okay? It is not that often. How often do you you go to an event and you start talking to somebody and you can tell the person really just wants to talk about themselves and they ask you questions, but then all of a sudden you start answering and they relate to it. And so then they start getting off on a tangent of their own thing. People don't like that. They like to talk. When they're asked questions, they want to be able to talk and answer them. And if you have a real conversation based on what their answers are, i.e. you listen intently and then you ask some questions because you're curious about the things they're saying, they're going to feel more important. They're going to feel special. They're going to feel like you really treated them with the utmost of respect. They're going to like you better. So this is going to help make connections more easily and quickly. It's going to get them more energized about being there and talking to you, more interested in the conversation that you're having. It's going to get you more naturally interested in the conversation. So again, takes the pressure off and then it's more authentic. It's more genuine. And they're going to walk away having enjoyed that conversation. They're going to remember you without you having to do a whole lot of talking yourself. And you're going to get, this is the third benefit, a lot more information that's actually useful to you moving forward. Now note, as you're talking to people at these events and asking questions and getting them to talk, remember, if you're going to the right events, right events equals relevancy, the right people are there, something is eventually going to come up that's in your area of expertise where you can ask them even more particular guided questions get some more information, and then maybe even give them some helpful advice. Do not be afraid to do that. And it can be as simple as, hey, we had something for a client like this recently. Did you or have you thought of or here's what we found? That's it with a quick sentence or even a question they should be asking. Just be a human being, aiming to help another human being out whenever you can. Now, when it comes to putting your specific questions together, I get if you feel a little like, okay, where do I even get started? (laughs) Because I hear this a lot from clients when we first get this started. And what I would say is this. Now, although I can't, like, we're not one-to-one. This works a lot better when I'm one-to-one with somebody because then I know more about you, your specific interests, your industry, your practice, et cetera. And this is something I do help my clients with inside of my one-to-one business coaching and the mastermind. But remember this, okay, and lean into this. Number one, make sure, again, you're going to the right places, relevant places where people will be that are in your industry or in the right industry for you for making the connections you want and need. That's going to help narrow things down. The other thing I would say is you don't have to have a million questions. Just be targeted based on who is likely to be there and who you're likely to talk to. And lean into your goal and your strategy around the goal. That's going to tell you what you want to be, you know, who you want to be talking to. So prepare for them. And then you can have a couple of questions that are more generic when you're talking to someone new who you weren't specifically targeting. So again, relate to recent hot topics specific to your industry when going to industry-specific events. 
Ask what's been keeping their interests of late at work. Ask what's been the most challenging aspect of their role or their job the past few months. These are all easy questions to get started with. And then listen and ask more specific targeted questions based on what they're saying. That's it. Okay? Don't overthink this. Probably the one thing all my clients would say to you who are a little bit nervous, especially my introverted clients going into these events when we start to work through, you know, questions to prepare, I think they would tell you is don't overthink it. You've got this. Have a couple to go with and get started and just be curious and it will flow naturally. Okay. So that was tip number two. Tip number three. And I've hinted at this already when I talked about have a goal, leverage current connections. Have the people you already know help you. Ask them for introductions and ask them ahead of time. It's, I think, a lot better to take a couple of minutes to figure out who is going or is likely to be at an event, identify the people you'd like to get in front of, and identify those who you think might know them. And ask them specifically for introductions to those people. Now, if you can't get that information or you don't know or you don't have the time, you can still ask them for introductions. Like, hey, who do you think I should be getting in front of? Who should I meet? Okay? It is that easy. The other thing you can do, and this is especially for very introverted people or for people who are younger and haven't gone to a lot of these and you're a little bit nervous, choose a partner to go in with. Somebody who's a peer who has similar goals, this works well if you're in the same firm with a common goal, maybe even the same practice area. You go in together, you go talking to the first group of people together. Now caution, you can't stick to each other like glue. Have a plan around disconnecting. Maybe have a conversation that's limited to 10 minutes and then one of you has a plan to disconnect and go mingle, right? Something like that. Um, One really easy tip is if you go in knowing people, but they're not from your same firm, you could partner with somebody or at least they may not even know it, but go up to them and start with them to make it easier and then ask them to introduce you to somebody and go from there, okay? So find ways to connect with the people you already know And have them introduce you to more people to make it feel more natural and not so pressured. Remember, networking is about actually networking, which means talking to more than one, more than probably even two or three people. You need to get around the room. You need to talk. And one of the things that I find a lot of my clients have issues with is disconnecting. Like it gets awkward when you're trying to pull away from a conversation if it's one-on-one. And even when it's in a group, Because there's a group of people and then maybe people are coming in and out and you feel like, well, do I leave? Do I, without saying anything, like, how do I disconnect? So a quick tip for that is use humor and state the obvious. So what do I mean by that? So you're at a networking event. Stating the obvious is, is, hey, I'm at a networking event. I'm supposed to get around, right? Let's, Let's disconnect so we can actually get around. So you can use that in a humorous way. You could say something like, Hey, I've loved talking to you, but since we're both here at a networking event, I suppose we should actually network. It was great speaking with you about, can I get your card? I'd love to continue this another time. Now, only say that last piece if you actually want to continue it, okay? 
but it's a way to disconnect. If you're not that interested, you just say, it was so wonderful meeting you. I loved our conversation, but haha, you know, we're both at a networking event. We should probably get around and actually network. And you walk away. Like, don't make it feel so awkward. Just use a little bit of humor and state the obvious and disconnect. Okay. When it gets really awkward is when you say that and then stay. No, walk away. <laughs> that, that's the key. Say the thing and then quickly walk away. You've already said goodbye. You need to walk away. It won't be awkward. And if you do this again and again, you're going to get used to it. It won't feel so weird to you. Okay. So those are my three big tips for making networking more effective and much more enjoyable. Let's get into my secret for improving your ROI. How do you actually improve your return on investment at these networking events? You're spending a lot of time. You're spending a lot of energy for those of us who are introverted. And yes, y'all, I am more introverted. I don't love these things either, but I found a way by using these techniques to enjoy them. But they still drain me, okay? I leave networking events. I go in energized. I'm at them energized. By the time I leave, I feel drained. And I know extroverts don't really feel that way. Us introverts do. It makes it worthwhile, that little bit of draining. And frankly, I feel like I actually enjoyed myself despite that fact when I go in using these techniques and when I use this other thing, which is what I'm getting into next, which is how to improve your ROI. Well, here it is, y'all. Follow up. Almost every lawyer I have ever known that's not considered a rainmaker is bad at this. <laughs> and in my personal opinion, this is what separates the truly successful business builders from everybody else. Remember the 80-20 rule. It applies here. 80% of your networking time should be spent in the follow-up, not at the actual events where you meet people. Only 20% of that time is at the actual events, at the conferences and other events that you go to, at the lunches, right, where you're meeting with clients or potential new clients. I can hear you. Heather, how much time is this going to take? If you can't tell, I know time is a big issue for you because it is for all my clients too, okay? And frankly, it is for me. And also, okay, what exactly do I do? I cannot take everybody to lunch, dinner, breakfast, and other events, etc., etc., right? There's only so much time in the day, week, month, year. Good news. No, you cannot take everybody out and you're not expected to. That's the good news. You're not expected to. So follow-up isn't just about in-person follow-up. Yes, that's one way to follow up. That's one way to deepen a connection and continue the conversation. But remember, really, you're trying to continue a relationship and a conversation over time. You're wanting to move it forward. And there are so many ways to do that that have nothing to do with getting together in person. And this is really important, so listen up. You do not need to be spending the same amount of time with everyone that you want to follow up with. Now, this is something I do help my clients with in, my, my, in both my mastermind and my one-to-one -one business clients. And I'm going to spill a little bit of my kind of inside info that I teach them with you today. So here it is. You want to categorize your contacts based on how relevant they actually are to your goals. So if you are trying to build your book of business, you need to categorize each of these people that you meet that you think you would like to follow up with based on, number one, relevancy to your goal, which is to grow your business, 
And number two, how likely they are to want to actually help you by sending you new business or referrals or making introductions, that kind of a thing. Now, remember, when it comes to who you categorize, this is not just new people you meet. It includes all current clients. It includes potential referral sources. It includes people you actually have known for a long time that maybe you've never considered, okay? And also new contacts, new connections that you meet at these events. So you need to categorize them because you can see how that list gets too big. And yeah, it would be unruly. And yeah, it would be massively time-consuming. But it won't be because you're going to categorize them based on hot leads, warm leads, and cool leads. So your warmest, your hottest leads are the people that you want to stay in touch with very regularly. They are likely to send you business soon, or they have connections they could make for you that could really help build your business. Figure out who the hot connections are. They have to be high in relevancy and high in wanting to help you. So maybe rate them on, with my clients, we rate them on a scale from one to five. One being very low, low relevancy, very unlikely. Five being high, high relevancy, high likelihood they want to help me. Now with new connections, you may not know the want to help you immediately. So what I usually recommend for them is if they think if they seem very, very relevant, they can go in your hot initially for a month or two, then you gauge them and move them around accordingly. They can't all stay hot leads. And by the way, you've got to kind of revisit this every couple of months because people are going to move around. Somebody you thought was a cooler, cold lead is going to move up and somebody you thought was a hot lead is going to move down. Somebody may even drop off altogether. So you want to categorize them in this way. Who are your hot, who are your warm, who are your cool leads? Now, you do not drop your warm and cool leads like hot potatoes. There's still people you want to stay in front of for some reason. If they're not, they get dropped off this list completely, okay? So hot leads, what I recommend is for you to have at least one monthly touch, sometimes more. It depends on how hot they are and how much you want to woo them. So maybe you have three hot leads and one of them is the hottest. Okay, well, maybe you're reaching out to them every other week. Warm leads, I would say at least two per quarter touches. Cool leads, two to three times per year touches. Now, here's where it gets interesting, the what. When I say touches, that means anything that is genuine and meant to help deepen the relationship. It can be what a lot of lawyers tend to think of, which is the in-person stuff seeing them at events and conferences, taking them to lunches, dinners, uh, happy hours, coffees, all of that stuff. It can be online meetings. It can be in-person meetings. It can also be sending them an email with an article or resource, picking up the phone for a 10-minute conversation. Maybe you had a conversation a month ago at an event and they were talking about, you know, something that was going on on a deal and it should have fleshed out by now and you're curious to see how that went, you can pick up the phone or send them an email about that, right? That's a touch. Hey, how did that go? Was curious and thinking about you. It can be sending them a Christmas card or gift that has a personal note in it. Make sure it's personalized, okay? It can also mean speaking to them for five or ten minutes at an event you're both attending and sending a quick follow-up email the next day. 
It can mean tagging them on a LinkedIn post that you think is relevant and telling them why. Maybe it relates to a conversation you guys had recently. Those are all touches. They're all over the place. They can't all be the same. They shouldn't all be the same. You're going to want to vary them. Also, rule of thumb. When you meet somebody new within 48 hours of meeting them, if they are, you consider them a relevant contact, you want to email them, hey, it was great meeting you and talking about whatever. Would love to, that, you know, this is, this is especially for somebody who you want to get in person with or see again, ask them to lunch or an online coffee if they're in a different city and you met them at a conference. If you don't need to be, you know, they're not a hot lead, you still send the email and say how great it was and find a way to continue. Oh, I found this article that's relevant to a conversation, you know, the conversation we had or it was something. Find something. This does not have to be time consuming and really shouldn't be. So here's another quick tip that I use with my clients. Be regular. Like schedule time for follow-up and it's going to vary based on your practice, the type of clients you have, how long it takes to get a new client. So when I said a hot lead is somebody who's more likely to send you business soon, I was a corporate finance attorney. And in the corporate finance world, if we were dealing with a bank, it was very rare that you would meet somebody and be able to get business within a matter of months even. Sometimes it was a year or two. It didn't always mean they weren't very warm to hot leads because sometimes they were very interested in hiring you, but there is a whole process they have to go through. And then they had to do inner workings. But they were, if they were working on your behalf and wanting to, but you knew it could be up to a year before it was going to happen, so long as you didn't hear that, okay, it's a no-go for now, they were still a hot lead. So it is going to depend on your practice, your type of clients, and their process for what constitutes hot versus warm. But my rule of thumb is you really shouldn't have more than three to eight people total in the both hot and warm category. There are only so many people you can keep up with. And again, reevaluate, move people around as needed. Cold can be bigger that you continue a conversation with because you just never know or you think it could happen one day in the future. And eventually they can move up into that warm and or hot category. So schedule it out. Be regular. Some examples, and again, this is going to depend on how, not just your practice, but on how you work. Some of my clients, I've had clients in the past who've done 20 to 30 minutes per day right before lunch. I had one who every Monday she would look at who have I not followed up with in a while? What it, who have I? You know, what has been the correspondence? And take that half hour on Mondays just kind of getting in her brain who she wanted to continue the conversation with that week. And then every day of the week she'd have time to actually do it. Send an email, pick up the phone, try to schedule something, that type of a thing. I had another client that did it once a month. He spent several hours once a month. I don't know that I actually recommend that. It's what worked for him though. And it did actually work really well for him. So maybe it works for you. Most of us don't want to spend several hours doing it in one get-go. That's what worked for him. Most of my clients schedule either weekly or every other week for follow-up. But have something booked in your calendar that you stick to. Because this right here is going to make the biggest, and I mean biggest difference, to really deepening relationships and, frankly, building your book of business. Okay. 
So if all of this sounds like something you are ready to tackle and you would like expert help, I invite you to check out my Mastermind Elevate. I've mentioned it a couple of times in here because this is a lot of the types of work we do inside of it. Doors open in about a month and you're going to want to be on the wait list for it. Not only will you be the first to know if you're on the wait list, but you're going to get some special wait list only bonuses. So check it out if that sounds interesting to you. I will put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, that is it for today. I really hope this helps you find more fun in networking so that you can become an effective networker and really build your network and build your business as a result. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.